I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. It's cold and dreary, but it's summer. But I have big news. I am on summer break. Yay! As of yesterday. Get out your kazoos, everybody. <laughs> oh, Cheer as it of up. Yesterday at one o'clock, I finished my grades one hour past the deadline. It was due at noon, but I, <laughs> I finished we have, at one. We have, um, with all my kids at home, I have to say, because they go to a school that is academically rigorous, and because they work really hard in an academically rigorous environment, it takes us this adjustment into summer. Oh, yeah. It's like I am not in any way able to keep up with their levels, their appetite for activity challenges and food. The oh, appetites are sure. unbelievable. It is like a, a fleet of lawnmowers coming at you with well, what are we going to do what's the plan what should I read where am I going what am I going to work on like how how shall I then be challenged today mama and well, I'm like what my problem that I I hit this every summer but it hit me hardcore on Monday because we got through finals last week on Friday graduation Saturday and then I had Monday Tuesday and grades were due Wednesday but on Monday I was like I'm just taking the day I'm going to have a moment of take a breath Right. And when summer starts and I have all these huge plans of things that I want to do, it's like, wahoo, I feel like open road, I have time. So I do this every single summer and I need to get myself together and get not a grip, do this. woman. But I'm like, right, I'm going to sew the curtains, I have the fabric, ready, go. No, wait, I need to clean the house first. I go out to the living room, it's like, you know what I should do is paint the trim. Oh, I'm yeah, I need it's to frantic. go to the basement and get a bucket of paint. Nope, I need to go out in the garden. I forgot to plant the potatoes. And so I don't get a dang thing done <laughs> because every time I go into one room, I quickly switch to a new plan. So I was having such a weird, like, ping pong approach to my day that I was like, I have to sit down and write down. Somebody has to stop this nonsense. What am I going to do? But now I have settled in. Well, actually, I should just warn you now that you know those podcast days where I find something gross in my hair? like a dead fly or a piece of plaster. <laughs> it's happened twice. Well, what was it? One time it was paint, and the other time it was a... Dead fly. Dead fly! Yeah, because I'd been... What had I been doing? I was in the attic or something? Well, whatever you did, it was in close proximity <gasps> to a dead well, fly. Well, it's worse today. The chances are high, because I have been working on furnace ducts in the basement, and it's... I'm feeling... Yeah, I mean, anything. Eric, She's trying to tell you, warn you now that anything is possible. Anything, anything is might possible, shake out of her hair. But also, I'm feeling like stupidly pompous, Rachel, because I have to reroute this duct up into the kitchen because we put in a pantry and the furnace duct for the kitchen then came up in the pantry, which is not where you want your kitchen heat to be in there. So I have to move it from the pantry to the kitchen before we can actually yeah. do anything else because you can't put the tile yeah. floor in and then right. later put it anyway. So it's down in the basement and of course it's this, there's a brick wall and there's a chimney and you have to finagle it around and up and over and, and so I was feeling the challenge and I went to the store and got all these pieces that are sort of like a strange 
tinker toy yeah. situation. Right. But they didn't have the piece of duct. They, it was all 10 inch duct and the stuff that we, the existing stuff is 12. And they didn't have the so, adapter piece. No, because I was not at the furnace duct store. I was just at the, <laughs> the regular hardware store. And I didn't feel like taking <laughs> extra time. So I got I got the old tin snips out, Rach. Oh, and you I, whittled an old piece <laughs> on down. I origamied up an adapter piece <laughs> from the 12-inch to the 10-inch. To the round, which is going to have to go up in the floor and over and then back into 10-inch square again and then out the wall. And I've gotten the first piece on, attached, taped, but my head was stuffed up like inside the plumbing pipes <laughs> and the rafters of the basement. So I'm just telling you that it could, anything could go wrong Sounds with solid. that. But in this strange little project that I'm doing... Which is making me feel so pompous. When I got that thing on there and, and it fit and it's all like attached. Yeah, right? I am feeling good. If any of my listeners are actual like furnace <laughs> uh, duct installation experts, I'm never going to take you into my basement to show you my duct work. But I'm feeling proud of it. Anyhow. I need you to know I just had to answer a text. I just answered a text from my kids that said, well, it was on silent, but it's still. It wasn't silent. Yeah, it vibrated as a problem. It said, is sour cream that was on the deck all night safe to eat? (laughs) We ate on the deck last night and apparently we left sour cream and someone's like, maybe I'll have some of this. (laughs) So gross. Um, I said it wasn't. No, but That's I have to tell I you, said. Rach, in this project, though, I discovered a product that we should all remember, okay, exists Tell me, tell me. you got to get off Twitter. No, I'm trying to just, I'm not on Twitter. I'm trying to find, I knew I took a screenshot of a question for us. Oh, right. We're not supposed to call the listener's attention to my. Because she's scrolling around her phone. Looking for the I question, I told someone. Thing, Rachel. Yeah. It's, it's in the duct work section of the hardware store. Okay. It is, in fact, duct tape, but it's not duct tape. Duct yeah, tape. no, it's like a metal tape, right? But it's right? the metal tape yeah. that you peel the adhesive back off of, and yeah. that's what I'm using to, like, seal off my not-so-airtight seams. Um, that's good stuff. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what it needs to be used for, but, but everyone should remember. You see it, a future. Yeah, because it, it, like, sticks super beautifully well. The adhesive is really good. And because it's metal tape, like, you can, like, pinch the edges down, like, really perfectly flat. It's just very satisfying. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just throwing that out there. It's a thing we have access to, you guys. I, it's the kind of thing that you feel like you're like, remember. Remember. remember because it. there's yeah. got to be some moment where, because like, if later, only there was something. Yeah, and like, you'd be like, <gasps> I know what if I could only use this for. they sold wallpaper that I was used to two inch metallic back when I had stripes. time. Back when I had time in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know what this was about. Actually, I don't know why. I, I guess I had time. I don't know what I was doing. But I, I actually loved just walking through like a craft or an art store or even a hardware store, and you're yeah. actually just doing an inventory yeah. of what's possible because mm-hmm. you don't know. Maybe you're gonna be like, oh. 
oh, I saw something that would no. work for this. You just need to know. I said this to my daughter yesterday when you she You might was not with have me. known that there were small wood discs that no. were. And, no. and there might be a time. Or tiny, when tiny, that's exactly tiny, what you needed. tiny pulleys. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, they didn't tell me about this, and oh. I need to know. And so you See, have to go and look. I was in the not-so-inspiring section of the hardware store yesterday. It's your with, own personal with catalog of what do I have access to. Two of my daughters to. <laughs> who were getting the giggles about this whole scene because I'm, like, trying to attach weird bits of tin together in the aisle. But anyhow, um, yeah, Hero was like, I am not inspired by the hardware store. And I'm like, Hero? Get Come over right here. Woman. I'm like, look at these bins of tiny metal attachments. See? <laughs> <laughs> Do you not see she, what could be done? She remained unmoved. And I can't even tell you how many times I've had a false start. You know, when I say to let your ideas die with dignity. I've had a lot of ideas die with dignity in the heart, in places like that, in mm, random yeah. aisles, because I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll crochet a huge doily rug out of clotheslines. <laughs> and it would have been cool, except for that. <laughs> except for that you'd have to spend like $700 on the clotheslines. <laughs> You need to find a cheaper opportunity. You somewhere. one time when when super super bulky knitting first came uh, into the field of vision in design. If only super bulky rag rugs had been a thing, I could have nailed. Yeah, it. you could have. Well, I wanted to knit one or something, but I nobody made the three hundred gauge knitting needles at that time, and I actually. <laughs> I might be telling our our readers too much. Our readers? Our readers. Uh, Listeners, pardon. I might be telling them too much about me and my past. I fashioned a pair of... Like out of rebar? (laughs) No, no, I wanted circulars. So I made circular knitting needles out of of Let me guess, surgical tubing? No, I could have used that, though. I actually used what I had around the house for that part, which was an old extension cord. Oh, that works. And I used the extension cord in the middles. But to fashion the the tips, I used uh, lint rollers. Big, big. (laughs) Okay. That's jumbo. Yeah. Well, I was trying to like do the, a jumbo. Like, yeah, a big oh knit roller. That's where they gracious. don't. They didn't sell things this size How at that time. How did this thing turn out? It worked. I did lint rollers connected together with an extension cord, and then for the tips, I used some um, something from the cake decorating department. That I was just gonna say, and they had like a plastic funnel for like yeah. shaping fondant flowers or right. something. So I had this all conglomerated right. up into an enormous circular and then knitting needle. you needed to duct tape and it And then it wasn't, it wasn't until I got past this part of the journey that I realized that at no time could I f- afford this much wool because you can't, mm-hmm. I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't looking for heavy gauge acrylics. No. So yeah. at that point when I realized it did work and I practiced knitting slashed pieces of uh, polar fleece because polar fleece was 
I was just wanting to see if the needles would work, you know, like mm-hmm. on a big thing. And it did work. And interestingly, it didn't even look that bad with the polar fleece because it was like a heathery gray fleece. It, it was like a rag, a heavy gauge knit stitch with the fleece that rolled up. But I didn't want to buy more polar fleece. I didn't want a polar fleece project. And I didn't <laughs> want to buy, I couldn't buy like however many sheep's worth of wool that was going to be. So in the end... Nothing really came of my work, but that was an idea that died with more or less dignity, depending on how you look at it. Exactly. <laughs> depending one well, way or another. I'm just saying that now everyone tuck that away for future use when you're making like well, now, now that robot was, suits for Halloween. What was that like 10 years ago or something? But mm-hmm. I think it was... Now you can actually buy needles that yeah, size. Probably. At that time, it wasn't popular. <laughs> you were ahead of that I was curve. ahead of the curve on finding out what a bad idea that was. Yeah. Yep. yep. So that's just how you know that. So that's how so it goes. So yeah, I have, this is not the time for tips, but I have one because I'm not going to remember it later. Okay. Cook's Illustrated this month had... Do you subscribe? Uh-huh. Hmm. But... This is straight out of Cook's Illustrated. I take zero credit for it. Okay. But I did do it once. Okay. And they were right because they usually are. Cooking green beans. If you cook them in a salty water that is really salty, in fact, the same amount of salt to water as seawater, so real salty, then the beans cook quicker. They stay the brighter green. And they taste amazing. Yeah, I I know to cook them in salt water from... It's a quarter cup to, I think, a quarter cup of salt to, like, two quarts of water. Like, not it's it's a lot of salt. Wow. And it was really, really good. They were really good beans. And um, they said to do it with other veg also. Yeah, uh, in Everlasting Meal, she says to do that. And it is stunning because... Yeah, it's really good. Like, you boil... Like broccoli or something, and it's actually really good. Mm-hmm. Way better yeah. than you thought so it was going to be. So two quarts of water, quarter cup of salt. So you got to really lay in the salt stashes if you're going to yeah. do that. But I always have a lot of salt in my house anyway. We go through it in a sick way. I, I found, here's an out-of-season tip. Okay. I did this for Christmas, hmm. and I made a mental note to myself well, we're at the turn of the year. It's Repeat time to start getting again. ready again yeah. for Christmas. But you know those Costco green beans? So I had multiple yeah. bags of those, those little really cute, yeah. pretty ones. Yeah. And so if you just split the bag open and hold on to the beans as well as you can, you right. just cut half, cut, just cut the ends off of one side of the whole bag at one time. Okay. So that you have trimmed them okay. quickly. Okay. And then... Because I had, like, I don't know, four bags of them or something for Christmas dinner. But then I blanched them all. Yeah. And then put them in the fridge. So I did that, like, a day or two ahead. So it stops them from, from like, where they get over, when they get start getting nasty or whatever. Mm -hmm. With things like that, I'm not going to be running to Costco right before. You want to be a little bit more prepared. But I blanched them all. But the recipe I did was that one that had hazelnuts. It was roasted. It was, like, lemon and hazelnuts where Mm -hmm. they're actually... So it ended up being only at the last minute I tossed them with the olive oil and salt and throw them in the oven to roast. But they're already... They're, it wasn't straight from Pretty raw. Much, they went yeah. really quickly, and they were pretty and delicious. And it That's was fun. infinitely 
more attainable to so roast them at the last not minute. An out of season tip because everyone's about to have beans from their garden. But That's the very... Christmas tip is out of season. Well, what's Christmassy about your tip? I'm saying that I did it at Christmas with the Christmas dinner, but, but I'm I mean... not saying you can't have a roasted green bean at other <laughs> times. I'm not banning this. I know. From Speaking the of gardens, though, I have a bunch of chives, and I am determined to use the things from my garden this year. And uh, you are back at it, guys. Uh, she's back I, on her phone. Can I tell you that it's uh-uh. it's summer and my children are at home texting oh, me questions. So be a mother. I'm just right. being diligent as a mother. Anyways, I made chive pesto the other day with a huge wad of chives from my garden. That sounds good. And um, yeah, it actually was. It was really good. I on made bruschetta. lemon balm pesto one time with runaway lemon balm oh, in our backyard. I have a bunch of lemon balm. It was no, good. do I have lemon balm? I have lemon. I just planted it. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, uh, but I'm making um, chive blossom vinegar at the moment. So I'm steeping the vinegar (laughs) with the chive blossom. Never let it be said that Becca and I do not do the most important things. (laughs) Huge knitting needles, chive blossom vinegars. here's the thing. I often plant the dang garden. Water the dang garden. Weed it. Kill yourself about it for the first two months. Then August rolls around. It's booming. Chaos time, yeah. It's booming with tomatoes and everything. And at that time, I'm trying to get ready for school. Everything's hideous. And I'm like, stop talking about tomatoes. I hate tomatoes. <laughs> Throw away the tomatoes. Nobody, nobody it's may speak burden. of a tomato. It's a burden of needing to steward And so the right tomatoes. now, I'm like, I have herbs. I'm going to do something with my herbs. And so when you cut down the entire bush. Have you done the thing where you freeze them in oil? Yeah, I've done that. Has but it worked you, well? Or do yes, you except you, I never remember I have them, so I okay. don't use them. Yeah. But the thing is, is um, you cut down your entire clump of chives, and I've got all these blossoms. So I pulled the blossoms off, and I threw some of them in the salad. It was really good. Like, pull the petals off and throw them in the salad. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the blossoms, I am steeping in white wine vinegar for a while. And the rest of the chives I made into pesto and put it on bruschetta, and it was actually really yum. It was like Parmesan and yeah. almonds. And that sounds good. Yeah, it was good. I approve. So, um, I had a question that somebody sent in, and when I saw it, I realized that they had already sent in the question before, and neither of us had responded. Oops. So, Sorry. like a kind listener, they they shot it at us again. Yeah, because we missed it. Sorry. Yeah, so this is what I hear. Uh, as busy moms living in very Christian communities as bubbles, how can we actively pursue opportunities to share our faith? Our primary spiritual outpouring role is to disciple our kids, but that's not an excuse to totally opt out of engaging unbelievers. Uh, And on a related note, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on how we as homemakers can and should be part of fulfilling the Great Commission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I think... That's a really good question, but I think we shouldn't compartmentalize those two things and act as if they are different, because I think being a homemaker and doing it diligently and faithfully is taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Absolutely, that is like that. Well, is sometimes it's taking the gospel it. to your end of the earth, no, and sometimes it's you literally filling the earth with people who will take the gospel. Sure, places. but it's like you are equipping and fueling and raising the next generation who are going to go off and they're going to take that gospel everywhere. And I would say one thing I remember is, um, 
I have had it different times in my life where you felt like, actually, I'm really not reaching anybody other than people I already know or really, you know, like, uh-huh. and in that time, I found it to be really fruitful to just ask the Lord to bring, to, instead of me thinking like, Lord, where should I go to find someone? Yeah. I would just say, Lord, please bring to my attention who I need, you know, because uh-huh. no matter how isolated you are in your little world, you're in a neighborhood. There are people around you that don't know uh, the Lord. And just pray for opportunities to be able to... That's what I was going to say. Hospitality is huge because um, even if it's just invite your neighbors for dinner, you know, have a barbecue, mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's. Um, I think it's noticeable that when we get descriptions of godly women in scripture... Hospitality is there. Hospitality is big, but it's... it's and isn't it Dorcas that made a lot of things for everyone? made a lot of things. Yeah, because I think it said that they like brought all the tunics and stuff that oh, she had made. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, she yeah. was just like uh-huh. a prolific Yeah. But I think doing something I think that doing um good work in a specifically feminine way is not opting out of sharing the gospel. It is how you share it the is gospel. Sharing the gospel. And so I think um yes of course there are times when you just specifically walk someone through here's what you do to be saved. But the Proverbs 31 woman is obviously being a huge testimony, but she's doing it through very, very practical means. And when you have in the New Testament descriptions of godly women, nowhere in there are they out handing out pamphlets. It's feeding people and clothing people and showing hospitality. And it's all those kinds of things, which is not a separate subject. Because I just had, because I, this last week uh, last Saturday at Farmer's Market we were doing a kickoff for the Bible Rain Challenge and so I talked to several unbelievers about the Bible at Farmer's Market mm-hmm. last week but I wasn't um, approaching them with a like let me declare the gospel to you. It's you're just talking with them and I offered a scone to one person mm-hmm. and I'm chatting with them about are you a Christian or do you know you know do you read the Bible or how are and so we weren't I guess what I'm trying to say is that in that in my life is an unusual circumstance. I'm not usually but having that. It's also uh, like you should always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you, which means that like when somebody asks, "Hey, what's what is with you?" You're ready. Presuppo- you're ready. You have something to say. But it also you don't, presupposes like, that up. they had a reason to ask. You. Exactly. They should have seen. From I found that I remember when we did the lunches in the park. That was mm-hmm. one of the first moments in my life where I found it routinely talking to strangers who would say, why are you like this? What right. are you doing this for? And that was hospitality. And it was uh-huh. an unusual kind of hospitality. Yeah. And, but because what it just, uh, we were taking lunch to the park a couple times a week through the summer and we had like a Facebook group. So I would invite loads of ladies and I would make food for all of the kids and iced coffee and something to contribute Mm -hmm. um, for the ladies but we would have a table where the ladies would bring fun mom food to share so like if you but you didn't have to bring something it was just like if you have something fun to share so the ladies would be having iced coffee and like fun salads and I would make tons of like mac and cheese or hot dogs or something for all the kids and, and it was a lot of people, but one of the things that we made a point to do was to invite anyone who was already at the park. Like, would you like to join us 
for lunch. And it was amazing how that was almost universally them saying, they didn't say what's the reason for the hope that's in you, but pretty much. Almost. Pretty much. Like, what is the reason that you would do this? What is the reason that you have for this kind of... And the thing uh, is, hospitality. And and the thing that was lovely is it was like, oh, well, all of these women, like, no, we didn't all go to the same church. Like, it was like, well, for the most part, these are all Christian women who, right. and because we love Jesus, we want to share a meal with you. And it is a very short step from there. And there's not, it's not like in every season of your life you can be feeding the hordes and the multitudes. Sometimes you're just feeding the people right in front of you, and that's about all you can do. Wow. And that's fine. Because and that's you get an achievement that season. sometimes. But one of the things is that, like, you know the qualifications to have a widow put on the church role? role? Yeah. The it's official like, office how of widow? was she supposed to have been for her life? Like, what are the yeah. things she was known for? What was she good at? And... I would just say, like, those are ways that you, as a homemaker, can share the gospel. Well, because it says that she was to have raised children and been hospitable. Spent a lifetime loving her own people. I think we have a very, very truncated... When I say we, I mean modern Christianity has a very... Clearly not us. Clearly we have I don't mean you and I. I mean we, the American... I get it. I get it. The American evangelicals have a very truncated view of what the gospel is. And this does lead into something else that has been raised about us lately, which Mm. is people saying we don't talk about the gospel. And the thing is, is that is if you have a very narrow view of what the gospel actually is, and you think that the gospel is you being able to articulate your soteriology right. accurately, and that's what you do all the time. Well, or as this though... is you sharing the four spiritual laws. That's what the gospel is. Or it's you being able to answer all the Westminster you know, catechisms or whatever it is. It's like, but the gospel is so much bigger than that. And it should be affecting every part of your life. And if you're letting it affect every part of your life, instead of just a narrow intellectual section of, you know, like you tuck that away in your facts that I know, if the gospel is permeating everything, then it is a short step from your food to the gospel. It's a short step oh, from your children to the gospel. Everything is gospel because everything is... There's a quote people will take out of context and make you into a heretic. <laughs> I'm already one. I'm already I'm already an out of context heretic on the internet. Yep, so yep. what else could what else could go wrong? Which means I, what we, I might, was, we maybe should just take a moment, guys, so that we can point back to this later if people have questions. Yeah, take a moment. Let's just... Pop quiz, Rachel. Do Let's you believe? Take a hot do you pause. believe in salvation by works? I absolutely do not. Do you believe, believe in salvation that by we works? Earn our salvation in any way? I do not, as I have said. But nobody cares <laughs> what I says. Believe nobody that cares. Justification and sanctification are the same thing. I do not, Becca. Do you believe? That this is a great pop quiz, <laughs> and boy, I'm like, <laughs> she's acing it, guys. So far, so far, do not you believe heretic. that our works are generated by us? I do not. Do you believe that they are 
that they are a gift in the same way <laughs> that our salvation yes. is a gift. Yes, I do. As I have said on the internet before this but time. But do you believe that in fact obedience matters? Oh, dang it. I do, Becca. I do. And that's <laughs> my great heretical but move. do you think that obedience is the same thing as your salvation? I do not, Becca. Good I job, do not. Good job. Okay, here. <laughs> Guys, I want to say, I know we're laughing about this, but I would say if it was the fact that people think I'm heretically teaching works righteousness is only funny to me because it has been, I mean, it's not funny in the sense that it's not true, but it's also only funny because seriously trying to answer it has not done anything for anyone. So it's not like we're only making fun of people thinking that we have tried to say, I have, I have engaged the discussion enough to know it's not fruitful, which is like one of the things that I have said, uh, said on the Twitter is saying, I absolutely believe that we are saved by grace through faith. And even that a gift, lest we should boast, you know, like it's not of ourselves. That is salvation. But I also believe that scripture is abundantly clear about what we're supposed to do after that point, which is work out our salvation with fear and trembling and the just shall live by faith. For it is God who works in you. Like, yes, yes. To will and to do for his good pleasure. Exactly. And the thing is, is I think that there's a few things that I've seen people be upset about in the things that you've written and we've talked about and so forth. And that is the work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. I'm quoting that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So first off, we work out what God works in. We do not work out. We can't work anything in ourselves. We can't work it out without God first working it in. Mm -hmm. But if he's worked it in, we will work it out. That is an important piece. Right. But it's also for his good pleasure. And that's one of the things I saw people were upset with you about something you had said that like God needs our obedience or something, which is not, um, which I have to say when I said needs us in that context, in no way am I saying God couldn't accomplish any of this without our power or that he needed it to be complete. Yeah. Or that God, but, but the fact remains that we were created for good works. Here's the thing. If you tell your child, Hey, I need you to pick up your shoes and go put them on the stairs. It does not mean like I am incomplete as a, as, as a, no. you know, individual soul until you move your sneakers. Right. It's just, I, I need you to do that. It will bring me pleasure when you obey. And I have to say one other thing that has come up is people saying what you asked that question. Do I believe that our justification, our sanctification is the same thing? And no, I don't believe that that's the same thing. But they but are I also, twins. But I'll tell you what I do believe, and that is that it's stupid, theologically, to act like we can't talk about uh, these ob- obedience in the life of a believer without giving everyone a 10-minute warning of, <laughs> are we talking about sanctification or justification? You know, because yeah. because when we're talking to believers about living as a believer, yes, we're assuming a lot of things. Yeah. But so is scripture when it tells us yeah. these things. So when it says brethren, and then it goes <laughs> on you're to like, say how we Are you live. saying that we can... Only, and it's like, no, like, scripture is... A large... Here's the thing. There is a big difference between obedience, faithful obedience, and works righteousness. Amen. Sometimes, on the outside, you know, there can be some similarities, but we are never advocating 
empty works righteousness no. attempts to pull no. yourself to heaven by your I'll own t- efforts. I should tell a story that I've told many times before, but mom, our mom years ago got a letter from a woman who was like, let me tell you all the things I do. I make bread from scratch. I grind my own wheat. I mop my floors this often. I homeschool my children. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing, it was a big list of all the things I do. And then just, and I'm so miserable. Like I have no joy. I have, you know, it's just like, I'm, everything is awful. And you know what mom's response was? It was not like you should be getting up 30 minutes earlier and start doing this and doing that. She just said, do you know Jesus? Right. Like, what are you doing? And, but the reality is that that list of things that that woman was doing could be done joyfully yeah. in the spirit, enabled by yeah. God and his grace to uh-huh. work out your salvation. It's not making the bread or disciplining the children yeah. that is that is either... Um, it's basically, the thing is, a faithful... Imagine a faithful Jew in the time of Christ. Faithfully and joyfully trying following to keep the God's law. law. Right. And then picture a Pharisee who's self-righteously trying to keep God's law from the outside. It's possible that the actions were the same. It's, but it's all about which way are you oriented? Now we assume that we're talking to Christian women. So we assume that, you know, we're talking to sisters in Christ. Right. That's because that is our audience. That's what we're we're talking about to be obedient. Right. But we can always throw in a thing and say, if you don't know Jesus, or if you don't have joy, by all means, message us. We would love to share the (laughs) gospel with you, but I can't imagine someone who does not know Jesus wanting to listen to us. (laughs) So I have a hard time thinking that you're out there, but by all means, Becca and I are both open to talk with you about that. Yeah. But the thing is, is I do think that it's important to not think that the gospel is this little tiny sort of chestnut of knowledge that you keep in the cupboard. Yeah, but okay. And and then you go about your life, but then you can answer all the questions on the theology test. Correctly. Yeah. Well, okay. But this is a thing that I have. Mm, This is getting into a big topic. It is. Because of you who, because I wrote about Christian identity, because there's a lot of Christians who have said things about Christian identity. And because what I wanted people, what I want women to see is that your identity in Christ is the most important thing about you, right? Like this is just, just fundamentally critical and important. Now, many, uh, what I, it's like hard to explain what I'm trying to get out here. When you, if you are, if your idea of who you are, how you're created, what makes your essential self has all been gotten from the world and from all bad philosophy and teaching. And so you think you're the self-created, self-stewarding, self-actualizing, self, uh, you know, you think that you created you or you're responsible for all of this. And then you say, let's all talk about my identity in Christ. What you're essentially doing is, and I think that this is where there's a lot of, where a lot of things get messed up. My point is that your identity in Christ is so important that it is everywhere in your life. Yeah. And that what I think goes wrong with a lot of evangelical discussions of identity is they want to say, you just refer to like this little chestnut of knowledge, but it's like they want to say Christ's righteousness is more like a stamp of approval on whatever life I made. Exactly. So I make this whole life... 
you know, I create myself and I identify myself this way and I have all these problems and I do all of these things and I sin in this way all the time. And the fact that I have a Christian identity means that I get a big stamp that says Jesus approved this message (laughs) stamp. And, and, but that's because you, that only is the case if you bought into all the world's ideas of how you're created, but that's not the biblical message. Right. And so where, where things have gone wrong is when, uh, well, wh- this is what I believe is happening is when I'm talking about how the fact that you belong to Christ changes this whole idea of who you are. People think I'm saying works righteousness. Like you need to build this resume. Like I'm saying you need to be good enough to get that stamp of approval from Jesus. And I do not believe that, but I believe that it's not a stamp of approval from Jesus. It's a completely, it's he is our creator. It's a new life. It's a new life. It's a totally other thing. And so I think that that's where, that it's like not being able to undo some of the assumptions and ideas that we have. And so people are just hearing me saying something that I don't But it's all about like what we're talking about most of the time is how can we make our sanctification and our justification be saying the same thing? Yeah. You know, our practical application should be, should be pointing to Jesus in the same way that our justification points to Jesus, it never points to ourselves. Right. It's so having been justified, how shall we then? How live. shall we then live <laughs> as mothers and yeah. as women and as and, friends? And, and, and the thing is, is if you think the gospel is tiny, then you don't think that it applies to how should you then live in your backyard with your kids? How right. should you then live with your outfit you put on to go out to dinner? How should you then live no, with all No, because every things? time that someone says, let's talk about how we should then live in our clothing, and everyone screams, you legalist, do you think we have to earn our stamp of approval from Jesus? And you're right. like, no, I just think that Christ having purchased us and given us a new life changes all of this. Which means, how can I please him? And guess what? He told us. Wow. <laughs> Going so, really rogue there, Becca. Bringing so, up his revealed word. So, okay. So a woman did tell me in one of these little fussy tot arguments that happened. She told me. It was like, how dare you? I am beloved. I am holy. I am his. I am. Like, he loves me yeah. as I am. And then she stepped into this bit of squander <laughs> by saying, by saying, so it does not matter to God if I murder my neighbor or if I feed thousands of people. And you're like, whoops. Well, no, it just like, what? Like, yeah. how can you, you are not looking at salvation, justification, no, sanctification, but, Jesus, but the, the thing, Bible. The thing that's ironic you can say about that. that is that that is a person who has fundamentally mixed up justification, sanctification. Right. Because all in the moment of accusing you of not knowing which I know but it's because because there's a fragment of truth in there which is that it does not matter when Christ purchased you whatever sins you committed it does not make an objective difference before God when when we've been justified but it but it very much makes a difference how we're living in him and that it's not it's and we will stumble and we will fall and we will repent and, and this God is, will forgive and us. And this is what repentance and forgiveness yep. is about. So, but I have another piece of this, which is, well, rude, offensive, 
upsetting. <laughs> Becca, that's unprecedented from yeah, us we or don't from do our... That. We don't do <laughs> yeah. that. But we're about... I'm about to go there. Here's what I'm going to say. I think that it is extremely important that women understand what they believe. And I'm, I think we're on the record about I know this. where you're going. I'm going. I'm I, going she's there. going there, guys. I am. Everybody, get out your notepads. <laughs> Becca's about to say offensive things. I am. Yeah. So here's the thing. Brace I think it's yourselves. really important that women should know their faith. They should know what they believe. They should be able to articulate it also. Like, we have our, our girls in an extremely rigorous education, and they're going to go, you know, I've got... Well, one daughter in college, one about to be in college in the fall. They're taking doctrine classes. Yeah. They're, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. we want them checked out on what our faith is and what it says and all of that stuff. But I actually think that it is very noticeable that when in the New Testament it says older women should teach the younger women, it's not how to parse out our faith. It is how to love your husbands, how to love your kids, how to be a keeper at home, how to do all these things. I think women's strength lies in our practical outworking of what we believe. And I think we should be sitting under godly teaching, godly, rigorous, intellectual, doctrinally accurate teaching. But then our job is not to get all the women together to have a little synod of dort amongst (laughs) ourselves and about... We should not Guys, be. I want to say to you, can I get an amen? Amen! <laughs> so the thing is, is women, like, yes, we should, we should know what we believe. But when women get together to encourage one another or whatever, and this is what I think we're trying to do with the podcast, our job is to, to like, take this into the very practical application. And that's what I think sometimes people seem like they don't understand that that's what we're doing. And they think that what we're trying to do is say, this is how to save yourself. When right. we're like, no, 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 no. This is us encouraging other women in the way that the New Testament says women should encourage other women. Right. And nowhere in there is it so that they can... um you know, get the council of Jerusalem Amen. together off in the corner. Amen. And, and I have to say that like one of the things that it says is in Titus two is that the older women are to be teaching the younger women. And it does not say teaching the younger women, the doctrines of our holy faith. No. Nope. Or teaching the younger women how to interpret the five nope. solas. No. Nope. Or it doesn't say that. But, and I don't think we just need to get this out there. We obviously don't think it's wrong for women to just look at us talking. Do, yeah, about look it. at us doing that. We don't think that that's wrong, but we don't think it's but that's primarily not what, the what we're is. called to. And, it's like okay, let the and, elders let the elders be men, guys. Oh dang it! Let You're the elders the things, do Becca. let them do the work of elders, and the women <laughs> don't need to go off and form an alternate board of elders. No, and and I have to say that to I have do a the lot theology of, work. Boy, we're having a hot sauce episode. <laughs> We're having an episode in which we're going to say everything. But say this, is, this is the thing it. that I have that I'd like to just give a little shout out to women's ministries everywhere. And that is, if your women's ministry is becoming a women's church with women pastors ruling over the women flock, you have a problem. Prob Bob. And the problem <laughs> is essentially that you're having a pretend church where one of the women is saying, I'm going to pretend to be the man preacher. You're going to pre, you know, like basically you're getting really off campus. Rachel, I don't want to, I'm doing it. I'm saying it. 
That's what lesbianism is. Absolutely, like, it is. <laughs> it's like we're gonna pretend let like me, we're over here having yeah. a fully integrated as though this is functional <laughs> or a good idea, but like, or anything. One of us is gonna pretend to be the Becca, man. We are going so rogue it's on this episode. Good. It's not good. We're well, not even pacing good. ourselves. We're just putting all the eggs in. <laughs> One episode. This is no, the eggy pudding you, episode. It's the furnace duct work. Took, you, took me to like sort of arrogant levels what, of confidence. What do, you, what do you think about calling this the eggy pudding episode? That's what we've done. One big eggy pudding. Or the figgy pudding. Mm, figgy eggs. Whatever it is. But, okay, but then the other thing. But is, here's. So, I just. I just think I'm it's not important. Saying, to say, if you have a bunch of women together... And I have to go to the bathroom really I bad. too. <laughs> it's not good. And now we put that on the radio. <laughs> it's probably bringing, bringing our urgency, urgency levels up. But here's the thing. Here's the deal. Uh, if you have only women, then I do think a woman can can teach from the word, right? If yeah. Like, to a, to a female audience... But I do not think a woman should preach no, the word. No, and even if it's only okay, women. And I'd like to just say this because I actually think that I just think we're sloppy with our terminology because yeah. of because of things like when people say preach, you yeah. know, and what they mean by that is way to feel passionately about yeah. a subject, right? right? And and so for instance, I do speak to women strongly about yeah. like when I when I'm in a position of speaking to women, I am speaking strongly. I would never say I'm preaching or I'm no. preaching the word. And you wouldn't and open the scripture and say, Thus saith the Lord. Never or I would say the hear word the word of God, women. No. You know, I well, would not well, no. I would say I, I It depends well, on what we mean by that. When we're both saying that we're referencing part of the uh, liturgical which, so if I'd say yeah. listen to your God, I would say that probably. Mm-hmm. But I mean we're talking about a but more not formal with the, but not with the authority of the church. And so No, and not not as one who's ruling with authority even over the women. No. So you can speak strongly about what you believe, but I feel comfortable speaking strongly about what I believe to men also. It's just that I would use a very different tone. If I was speaking to a co-ed audience on a spiritual thing, I would not speak with the same voice that I feel no. free to use when I'm talking totally. just to women. But I I don't think that this needs to be nearly... But at no time would you call it preaching. No, and... but my point was about women's ministries, which is that we're not supposed to be an alternate church. Like, what happened... Man, rogue episode. Yeah. Rogue. But here I go. Here yeah. I go. You said a rude thing. Now I'll say a rude okay, thing. Okay, do it. Say it. I want to know what is going on that everywhere in our world, the women from churches are retreating. And I mean it literally. <laughs> they are always going on retreats. And I think, why don't we have a women's charge? A or women's a advance. Women's advance. Or, and I realized, why are we talking all the time about a women's ministry ministering to women instead of a ministry of women. Right. Like women for the gospel, for yeah. the kingdom, using all of our skills and our abilities and the things that delight us yep. and and throwing ourselves. I think it's because we 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 have a whole bunch of Christian women and we treat them like they're the patients and not the nurses. Yeah, and I have a theory. I have a theory about this, which is that that there was a time when just culturally we did not have the leisure we have now. There were wars. There were women, like there were these women's, um, like all the groups in churches were like women working Auxiliaries hard. Yes, of, but they yeah. were like knitting things for the troops or taking in like refugees or working yeah. in different ways. 
And that when we ran out of that clear work, we became ourselves the needy people. Like we decided we have to minister to to each other. And so we want you all to get around and be needy because, (laughs) because some of the ladies feel motivated to serve you. Everybody else's job becomes being desperate for the service of women instead of all being equipped. And I'm going to bring us up for, I think we are, are we close to needing to wrap this up anyway? Okay. I want to bring us full circle to say this is part of why I am so passionate and excited about the Bible Read Challenge. And the reason is because the very simple work of women trying to encourage women to be in the Word has had just as a side effect the fruit of how like I'm seeing how natural it is in that context for women to totally be doing the Titus 2 work of mm-hmm. encouraging one another to love your children and to love that you know like just because we're focusing on being in the stuff. word and yeah. part of the reason is it's one of my favorite verses in second Timothy about all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I love that because when you said that the study of theology, it's sort of something we don't think is super profitable for women after a certain, like, like to pursue as a lifelong career of theological. Yeah. No, like get your ducks in a get, row, get your ducks in a you row, think, but then, then go forever, out there. But this is the other thing forever be in the word, but also, you know, the women who are where I don't remember where it is, who are always learning and never coming to a knowledge yes. of the truth. That's the, that's you can the get yourself yes. stuck in a cycle where you're learning, 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 but get out there and do it. But I think, some of the, I think some of the learning, learning, learning cycle is that people get addicted to coming into a new knowledge of yeah. something. And so then yeah. they're looking for the rush of rediscovering like the people of Athens who always like to hear the next new thing. Yes. And that they just want to have a new breakthrough and a new, oh my word, all this stuff is happening. But what I was going to say about that is that you're talking about a really specific kind of theological pursuit. But but what scripture calls us to is to be diligently reading the word, which thoroughly, which actually continues our doctrinal education yeah. and it reproofs us. And it does, you know, like you keep... doctrine and reproof and all of these things. But it is at the same time equipping, equipping us for the for good, good works. works. And you're like, what good works? And you're like, oh, oh guess what? The word tells us. Maybe Feed the people, maybe the babies in your house and the husband Show who's coming home and your friends. Yes. Love like, your husbands. Maybe your Take whole care life. Of your your whole life. And now, now here we are at the end of possibly our most controversial episode I ever. I thought we stayed within the Got, bounds. Do, well, yeah, I agree with us still, but uh, <laughs> I, I want to know. I too agree with us. I want to know, uh, do we have any parting remarks about, I? because I really need to get to a bathroom here. Yeah. I'm We're going to have to shut down this episode here in a hot with second. With a tip? Yeah, give a tip. I was full of tips. Green beans? Yeah, yeah. yeah metal we did. tape? We covered us. Okay. I talked about that aluminum tape, you guys. Yeah, it's she good. covered it. She And tiny pulleys, too. You mentioned those. Tiny pulleys. Yeah. And I would say that my tip is to join in the Bible reading challenge. It's if not you're too not late. already in it, no, no, you're not only at all. three days in. Jump in, just join us where we are Have and fun, fellowship guys. with women around the world all right. in the Word. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>
you think of yourself now and then in four years time, what do you want yourself to look like? And is the education that you're considering going to help you get to that place? When you're a student, you want to become like your teacher. You're going to become like your teacher. Looking at NSA beforehand, I knew I wanted to become like the men who are teaching here. Fireman, husband, father, doctor, no matter where you want to go, NSA is just such good preparation for the person that you want to be. If you want to be an effective Christian, you need to be able to lead and shape culture. If you want to do that, no matter what your occupation is, you need to shape yourself, um, prepare yourself as a person for that job. And liberal arts is, I think, the best education you can have for that. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.edu.